0: Welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. April is historically the beginning of wedding season. I did some reading on that. Apparently, that's changed. It's more of a fall thing now.
1: Mm-hmm, very trendy.
0: But we're not trendy. So we're going with historically wedding season, April. So this week, we're walking down the aisle of the movie theater with a father of the bride-a-thon. We'll be taking a deep dive into Jillian's favorite film franchise, and not only the quote unquote original 1991 version, like Jillian likes to call it.
1: I'm a truther. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Actual original. The 1950 version, its sequel, and the 2022 remake. But before we toss the celluloid bouquet, it's time for Cozy in the News.
1: Well, I'm happy to report that frogs are finally getting the fashion respect they deserve. Can you say frogcore? core?
0: <laughs> we, <laughs> I, I can and we should.
1: <laughs> um, so designer J.W. Anderson debuted the Ribbit Worthy creation at the menswear fall winter 23 runway show in Milan back in January. And that rivet Worthy creation, shoes, so frog shoes. Frogs that look, sorry, shoes that look like frogs. I don't know who else to say that.
0: Think of Crocs, but the toe is a frog face.
1: Yes, but I have learned now that I'm in the lifestyle business, those are technically loafers, and the loafers are very trendy right now. They're Crocs. Um, (laughs) 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 I'm leaping onto the spring and summer style trends to try these hot, Frog loafer hybrid Crocs, whatever you want to call them, and they it's, they are very I think more realistic than your average frog shoe, <laughs> and they cost a whopping five hundred dollars. So you have to sell your whole pad to own them, <laughs> <laughs> but don't lose heart. There are a lot of cute alts if you're into the frog shoes. Um, you can search on the internet, and it won't cost you an arm and a webbed foot but I just thought it was cozy because obviously if you're you know I love frogs If you're new here I love frogs and so I thought it was funny that these are the hot new shoes because they're all over the fashion blogs and yeah they come in all different kinds of colors if you want them in yellow green and I believe they're also in red but don't um, quote me on that definitely blue and I don't know I'd wear them what do you think Matt would you wear these frog loafers
0: I really like the frog um, rain boots that they also offer, which are, as you mentioned, are a little more affordable. You know, I would. They're whimsical. They're really cute.
1: So cute.
0: I know for sure it's going to make holiday shopping for you very easy.
1: Yeah. shell out the $500, Matt. That's what I'm expecting this year.
0: This is a birthday present and and a Christmas present.
1: Yeah. But to be honest, I would be a little bit upset if frog core took off because... I need to reserve all the cute frog stuff for myself. I can't share.
0: Yeah, so everyone buy these frog shoes for Jillian so she can hoard them in her apartment. (laughs) No one else can have them.
1: What's cozy for you this week, Matt?
0: On the animal beat, (laughs) this next news item is sure to put a hop in the step of any bunny still in the Easter spirit. People Magazine reports that a kitten that needed laser therapy to heal its back legs recovered with the help of rescue bunnies. The closest person trained to administer the laser therapy that that kitten needed was the supervisor of Best Friends Bunny House, which is what I want to start calling my own home, (laughs) (laughs) where Canelo, the kitten with special needs, got to play with all his new bunny friends before and after his treatments. Now the kitten's back legs are stronger than ever, not least of all because of all the practice he had hopping around with his new pals
1: so sweet. A lot of I hopping I, in today's news segment. Lots of hopping. Oh, yeah. Lots of, <laughs> we're hopping all around the news desk today, but I love the photos that they share in the article. They're, they're so cute.
0: It's very cute. Who doesn't want to see photos of baby bunnies and kittens?
1: And is there a way to support the bunny house?
0: Yeah, it's it's part of like this a full animal rescue mm-hmm. organization called Best Friends, and they have a bunny house. They have other shelters. And they definitely have ways to give. So if you go to their website, which is bestfriends.org, you can um, learn more about them. And if you're so moved, you can donate and give to their animal shelter and rescue organization.
1: A wonderful cause. It's making my heart hop with joy.
0: (laughs) Well, let's hop on over to our main segment. (laughs) Our listeners have turned the podcast off at this point, (laughs) but I don't know why you would, because we're here discussing Jillian's absolute favorite film ever. Steve Martin in father of the bride, the 1991 (laughs) version, but that is the delicious cream in this Oreo of discussion, because we're going to start from the beginning with the original father of the bride, the actual original. Yes. I'm speaking to you, Alonzo Duraldi (laughs) who (laughs) was put into a tizzy, when he heard Julian say that the 91 version was the original in a prior podcast. So
1: yeah. And I think someone else who wrote (laughs) us, I don't remember that very stressed out soul. (laughs) I I
0: love that in our, in our show ecosystem, the biggest outrage comes over misidentifying the original of the father of the bride series. So I'm, I'm happy to that. That that's the controversy that we're stirring up that and giving a cozy award to lady Gaga, which is very upsetting (laughs) to Beyonce fans.
1: I think that's a, That's something to be proud of. And (laughs) as I said in the intro, I'm a father of the bride truther. The 1991 version is the original version. I'm ready for the emails.
0: I don't know if I can stand for the Spencer Tracy erasure. So let's start from the beginning, the true beginning in 1950. Now, even before then, actually, this entire film series is based on a novel of the same name, Father of the Bride, by an author named Edward Streeter. And if you're listening to this, you probably, and you know how much we love Father of the Bride, you've probably (laughs) maybe seen it yourself. So the the plot will look familiar, but for those of you who haven't watched the movie or seen any of these, uh, a quick synopsis of that original movie. We start the film with a monologue by Stanley Banks, who is played by Spencer Tracy, who's sitting in his living room, which is now a complete mess in the aftermath of his daughter's wedding. We then go back to the beginning when Stanley, a middle-class lawyer, learns his beloved daughter Kay, who's played by Elizabeth Taylor, is engaged to a man named Buckley, played by Don Taylor. No relation. (laughs) While Stanley is uncomfortable with this news, claiming she's too young and they don't know enough about this Buckley character, his wife, Ellie, played by Joan Bennett, is enthusiastic and immediately begins making plans. Stanley tries to keep up as those plans get more and more grandiose, and there's some amazing cultural insights into like what was traditional for a wedding in this movie back in 1950. For example, there's a big deal made about the fact that they want a church wedding. They're like, having a church wedding, it's extravagant. It's too much. What do you think, you're a, a royal? Mm-hmm. And now that's a, almost like old-fashioned. Um, but mm-hmm. you can see the beginnings of that trend happening here. But despite a small hiccup that threatens to throw off the wedding, which is when Buckley wants to fish in Nova Scotia for their honeymoon, which Kay is, can't handle that. She's second-guessing their whole relationship because of that honeymoon choice. The big day arrives, and it's a great success, of course. Happy ending for all. And the film was directed by Vincent Minnelli. Some quick fun fact before Julian and I discuss our thoughts on the film. Spencer Tracy wanted his longtime partner, Catherine Hepburn, to play the role of his wife, Ellie, Um, But it was thought that they had too much romantic chemistry to be convincing as a domesticated couple with children, which uh, it's a pretty big burn to domesticated couples with children. Yeah. (laughs) Also, as you can see from the fact that this is like, you know, spawned so many remakes, it was a huge hit critically and financially. It earned eight million dollars at the box office, which is the equivalent to a hundred million dollars now. And the budget was pretty small. So there was a huge profit. It also earned three Academy Award nominations in the categories of Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best Screenplay. Didn't win anything, but it was nominated. Also, some, a quick number, piece of number trivia. June 10th was the day of Kay and Buckley's wedding. And that was a nod by director Vincent Minelli to his wife, Judy Garland. June 10th was her birthday. And it also happens to be the day that Spencer Tracy died in 1967. Oh, wow. So something magical about that June 10th date.
1: Well. Uh, Magically died but yes (laughs) (laughs) well
0: you know mystical let's use that word
1: yes full circle you you could say
0: yeah um
1: wow interesting i when i first read the trivia that you put together i thought that you were talking about elizabeth taylor was a longtime partner it's like oh that explains the sexual chemistry between them because i thought there was some i mean i I will say i think
0: in all of these movies, there is a little bit of weird Electra vibes from all of the, the... And maybe this is us, like, being being weird, but I, I think we all picked up on a little bit of those weird vibes, and I, I, I think they exist in every single one of these movies, to be honest. That's fair. I actually felt like, of them, I got that the least from this one.
1: Really? Oh, man.
0: I'm a Spencer Tracy stan. I think... His okay. acting is incredible. It's so natural and funny. And I was rolling. I was laughing so hard because his reactions are as fresh today as they were then. Like, it's just an incredible performance. I really loved watching this movie.
1: I guess for me, the perfume scene when he first comes home and they're, mm-hmm. he's having the perfume that cheap. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, I, I, I won't get into it. No,
0: I, I get it. I get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but yeah, it was a really a lovely experience for me watching this the introducing myself to the true original i 'cause I obviously didn't know how how deeply they mirrored each other, mm-hmm. even this pulling the same lines or the same opening scene where Stanley, like you've mentioned, is sitting in his seat um introducing us to his story and in the Chaotic post wedding scene. I thought that was really cool coming from someone who's, who's only living the Steve Martin universe.
0: The 91 version, which we'll get to in just a little bit. It, it really does take f- full scenes from the original, like, uh, and just updates them. It really is the same joke, the same setup, and it just updates it for the nineties. And yeah. obviously there are different things that goes off on its own and does some new things but generally speaking like it really does mirror the original quite a lot which i agree did make kind of going backwards and watching this one even more enjoyable because you got to kind of like make those connections and see like oh that's where they got that from that's why that or they even like the wedding planner character you can see how they saw an opportunity to really amp um, it up amp it up you know um yeah. because that character is there in the original but he's kind of you know just a buttoned up guy and Obviously, it's brought to a, com- a whole new comedic height in the 91 version by Martin Short.
1: Yeah, the wedding planner in this original is more used as a vehicle for Stanley to feel judged because money yeah. plays a huge role in this and the, the classism of it. Um, it is just so ever-present. But the difference is, I thought it was really fun when uh, Stanley was recalling all of Kay's past boyfriends because in the... 1991 version we don't really have any sense of annie's dating past she's named annie in the 1991 version the daughter and so that was fun um that that recollection and he's talking about how one of her um past boyfriends i don't know if i got it right i rewound it a few times bebop pound or yeah
0: that that's that sounds accurate yeah
1: <laughs> it was, it was really, really and the way funny.
0: that he turns around and kind of like mugs to the camera and like lingers there for like like a half a second too long is even funnier.
1: Yeah. Lots of like very understated funny moments compared to the 1991 version where you, I wouldn't say it's overtly hilarious in in ways that um, Steve's, I call it Steve's movie. um,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're talking about like kind of the funny moments we loved at that initial dinner scene where Kay is going to break the news that she's getting married. And she has no idea what Buckley does. When she's asked, like, what does he do? She's like, yeah. something. I don't, you know, it, it, that's how much she doesn't care. And I thought that was super funny. But m- I think my favorite scene was when Stanley meets the in-laws. He was talking about Kay. They're falling asleep listening to him. And then they start talking about Buckley. And then Stanley starts <laughs> falling asleep. Like, they don't really care.
1: No. <laughs> Yeah. So many small moments like that or yeah. just the the details which I thought was funny the price differences how Stanley was blown away by um the wedding costing 375 ahead just to go back, you know, in in the future and 375 steel um today. Yeah. So those, those comparisons. And then I loved how Kay's character was super feisty. I would say more so than Annie in the Modern version, which I thought was cool. I don't know if you felt the same way.
0: Oh yeah, I think she had she had a lot more spunk to her. I would say spunk. like I feel like I feel like Annie is way more of a people pleaser kind of character and just sort of a peacekeeper. And mm-hmm. Kay, she knows what she wants; she's gonna get it. They even used this movie. Well, they used uh, Elizabeth Taylor's wedding, which was I think twelve days like before or after the premiere of the film was like part of the PR for this movie too. So there was this big hype around elizabeth taylor getting married obviously she's blowing up this is a big success and it's why they rushed out a sequel to this movie
1: (laughs) i had no idea that's such a cool little tidbit
0: and it's really more focused on elizabeth taylor obviously i would say it's still primarily about stanley uh the spencer tracy character but we get a lot more elizabeth taylor in the sequel and that movie was rushed made one year later father's little dividend and then I was reading about this and some people say even like the quality of the film itself, the way it was like shot, it just doesn't look the same as the original in terms of it just was done too quickly, uh, some say. But here's what it's about. Also, that title, Father's Little Dividend, is like such an old fashioned. <laughs> I know I'm in for a movie from 1951 when I hear that title. Yeah. So newly married Kay announces that she and her husband are going to have a baby, leaving her father, Stanley Banks. Uh, having to come to grips with becoming a grandfather, and he feels he's too young to be a grandpa. Uh, And the road to parenthood is rough for the whole family, from arguments about the name of the baby to anxieties about the delivery, including talking to a doctor about modern forms of delivery that's blowing Stanley's mind. (laughs) But at last, a baby boy arrives, delighting everyone except Stanley, who remains distant, and it doesn't help that the not-yet-named baby cries whenever Stanley comes near him. But a horrible episode in which Stanley loses the baby and then thankfully recovers him, turns things around for both baby and grandpa, and they give each other a second chance. We end with finally learning the child's name at the christening, Stanley Banks Dunstan. So the baby was named after grandpa. Very sweet ending. What do you think about the sequel?
1: I have to say I prefer Father of the Bride. And it's funny because... I love the the baby version of the modern version. For this, it just felt really hysterical to me. Uh, and by hysterical, I meant I was just on edge. There was a lot of noise and arguments and people storming out. <laughs> and Kay was just so, um, they really want to play up her hormones I, I did think it was funny how you noted in your um, synopsis how talking about the new agey crazy ways yeah. by having your, <laughs> your baby on your back when you're vacuuming. Crazy stuff. I thought that was funny. And I, I love the the openings. It reminded me of Steve's version where he feels he's on the top of the world. You know, he got through the wedding all as well. Um, It was nice to see Stanley's side too, a little bit more playful and fun because he's in that false sense of security. So in the opening scenes, he's, you know, trying to love up Ellie. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. they have a little more chemistry than the first one. It's a little less stiff, which Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed. But yeah, what about you? What do you think?
0: I agree that I liked this less, but I still enjoyed it. There were still some laugh out loud moments. And honestly, the scene where Stanley loses the baby had me on the edge of my seat. It was so visceral. Like I could really imagine myself in that situation. He goes and helps (laughs) a bunch of kids playing soccer and like gets too involved and forgets about the baby that he would just left on the sidewalk. Fortunately, some police came by and grabbed it and took it back to the station. But the way he goes back home, tries to sneak in to see if like, did they get the baby and it's not (laughs) there. And they're all like happily chatting. And so he goes like, Oh crap, I have to like figure this out. So he like leaves the house and it's a long sequence. And then the police chief gives him a hard time and it, it was harrowing. So I, I would say it's like a little less funny than the original. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's a little more arguing and some of the more behaviors stress. a bit like, yeah, stressed and kind of bizarre, but so is, you know, welcoming a new baby can be very stressful. It's true. But overall, like it, it, same thing with like, you know, thinking about the sequel, like so much of this movie ended up in father of the bride part two. I don't know why they didn't call it <laughs> father's little <laughs> dividend, but yeah, I, I still laughed uh, quite a bit, but I think it was just a little it's mm-hmm. a little less cohesive than the uh, original movie.
1: I, I agree. But that was sweet in the end, as you noted that she named the baby after Stanley. And that's similar to. Fast, flash forward to the new movies.
0: Yeah. OK, so take us into the new era. So no,
1: I've been chomping at the bit. I kept on mentioning Steve.
0: 40 years later, we get yes. this remake produced by Nancy Myers. Mm -hmm. And directed by her husband. So so take us into the future, Jillian, um, into your favorite movie. Tell us about Father of the Bride, the 1991 version.
1: So as you noted, Matt, 40 years later, after the faux original, the true gem of the franchise emerged. A sun-drenched reboot starring Steve Martin, love you Steve, and Diane Keaton as George and Nina Banks. So different names boasting cozy sets and, at the time, new talent, Kimberly Williams, who's now um, Kimberly Williams-Paisley, as Annie Banks, the daughter, and Kieran Culkin as Maddie Banks, the little brother. So that's a little different than the original, because we have only one sibling for Annie. The story leans heavily on its predecessor, almost beat for beat, but the film's marriage of producer Nancy Myers and set designer Sandy Benizanio, who also did the sets for Gilmore Girls, um, casts a cozy and warm glow over an otherwise worn tale. And my little trivia uh, Kimberly Williams and George Newborn, who played her husband Brian, um, were filmed in a series of Hallmark card commercials as a couple. So, Hallmark <laughs> reference in there <laughs> makes it even cozier. So, yes, this is my, my love. I've mentioned 8,000 times on this podcast. If we, had a, if we had a real HQ, they'd probably come burn it down because we talk about it so many times. But um, you know, for me, the sets just so cozy. There's a sense of safety, comfort in it. I can't explain it. And I don't know, maybe scram up the East Coast, but I've never seen homes or a set like that where it's so light and airy mm-hmm. and there's sun in every single room. So I was really attracted to that as a as a kid, and I still laugh out loud at some of the scenes. You know when um, George is removing the hot dog buns because he's just he's so stressed about the the finances of it all. Wow, I could I probably act out that movie myself. But I'm talking too much, Matt. What did you think? <laughs> I already kind of know, but. Would love to hear your thoughts again.
0: Well, I, I also love this movie. I, I agree that the sets themselves and like the the setting are part of what adds to the coziness. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of doubles down on the coziness of the, of the original in terms of the the set design, and because the original has is also pretty cozy to look at. Like the the banks in the nineteen fifties version have a, a much more middle class life. I think still upper middle class by the standard of their living. And I think you can kind of see in each of these movies, we're going to talk about that bar getting raised subtly of like what it means to be like an upper middle-class person and like what they have and the kinds of homes they own, that bar keeps getting raised. And we're definitely a little higher in this one where, you know, he has a really fancy car and he has the um, beautiful home with the like more pergolas than anyone could possibly imagine in their own home. I mean, I think what is so lovely about this era, the Steve Martin era is that I think Steve Martin himself versus the Spencer, I love the Spencer Tracy portrayal. If I have to say a favorite, I think Spencer Tracy's version is my favorite version of that kind of dad figure. But what Steve Martin brings is a real warmth to the role. And you really, the love for his daughter comes through so strongly It almost is like he's such a smart guy. The only downside for me is that I don't even believe he could be so not aware of himself the way that he has to be unaware of himself and how he's reacting to everything. Because it's Steve Martin. He's such a, like, wry, witty person. But overall, he does bring, that I think is incredible, is that warmth, particularly to the relationship he has with his kids. And also, like, I do like in in this era... The brother character isn't just somebody that we're, you know, throwing Some on. The bro- I know the brothers in the original are kind of like, oh, you're here. And what's kind of <laughs> he- funny, everything. yeah, exactly, is that the one of the brothers from the original movie is in Father of the Bride in 1991 in the party scene. You can see him um, hanging out with uh, Diane Keaton.
1: Yeah, there's so many wonderful nods like that. But I completely agree. The texture that this movie has outshines the original because we can see the genuine bond that Annie and George share. They they love basketball. He even creates her wedding shoes um, that are sneakers with some little frills and bows on it because she's so into, you know, playing outside uh, their basketball hoop together and that's their thing. Uh, you can just understand their connection on a more deeper level other than she's my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. There is, there's that relationship there. And I think obviously the chemistry between Diane and Steve is much more obvious and fun. You know,
0: Jillian, I kind of disagree.
1: Really? I, 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 I love the, I think they have such a natural dynamic, which I didn't feel in the original.
0: That's so funny because I, I one of my first feelings watching the original films was that I really felt like Spencer Tracy and Joan Bennett had a way more natural chemistry, even though she was cast to not be so hot with <laughs> Spencer Tracy. I felt like there was a little more there in terms of how they interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like they were on the same team, if that makes sense. Whereas I felt like in the... Steve Martin version, the Diane Keaton character is always kind of just like rolling her eyes at him and...
1: Exasperated. Yeah, I can see that.
0: and like, I'm like, what do you like about him? Because you don't seem to like vibe with what he's doing as much as Spencer and Joan. And I think, I just sort of feel like she's reacts to things. George or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. I don't know what she wants versus I like how Ellie in the original is like, I want that baby in my house. And she's Mm. (laughs) like... That's in, the, that's in Father's, Father's Little Dividend.
1: Maybe I'm just so taken with her outfits.
0: <laughs> yeah, she looks great. Outfit. And she's always good. She's not bad.
1: Well, they did have some crossover where... I mean, I love how they both had that line about the in-law's house not being a shack and making a yeah. joke. Like, I thought that was great. And then also how they they bring their husbands down to earth, both of them do, when in the original she says, you know, I didn't get to have the church wedding and that's really important to me and the Mm -hmm. case should have it too. When Nina makes George feel bad about the fact that Annie feels like she has to kind of tone down her wishes and desires, She gives him a little pep talk. So it's nice to see that crossover. And that was, like I said, you know, maybe 20 minutes ago, that was my favorite part of this whole um, experience (laughs) and exercise, just comparing the two and those nods. It's so cozy. But anyway, moving on, um, we have to birth, (laughs) The next part um, (laughs) of our look back, and this is Father of the Bride, part two, which aired in 1995, and it's a mirror to Stanley in My Little Dividend. Uh, George thinks he's on top of the world after pulling off Annie's big, splashy wedding. His world is stress-free, and everything has seemingly fallen into place. Of course, life has a funny way of sneaking up on George, and he's blown away by the news that Annie's pregnant. Adding to his wrinkle, Nina is expecting too. <laughs> 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 Hilarity, tears, and many delectable cameos with wedding planner Frank Elgelhofer, aka Martin Short, and Sue. And so the little trivia that I have here, if you're a Kimberly Williams fan, she's big on Hallmark these days, um, her now husband, country singer Brad Paisley, went to see this movie that he hoped that his ex-girlfriend would be at because they saw the first father of Bride together, um, but then he didn't show. And when he was watching the movie, he thought, I would love to marry someone like her. And then they did. <laughs> they're married mm. with, I think, maybe three kids. And so, yeah, they're they're a super strong couple. I thought that was fun and a cute little tidbit.
0: He married the lady on the screen.
1: <laughs> sit in there, hoping to meet his ex girlfriend. The a, fun, a funny thing, you know. I hope she shows up to Father of the Bride Part Two
0: at the what the two fifteen showing at the AMC on this. Like, like, how do you how do you hope someone shows up to a movie theater suddenly?
1: <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. I am not how was, me how does generalizations. he's a small town man. I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's a one theater town. Yeah, I don't know. It's that that's kind of crazy. But I I kind of actually I think I like the part two remake even more oh my than God, the original. It's, so fun. it's like it doubles down on everything we love about the ninety-one version from the amazing sets and the actors that we love. And it also surprises you in a way that the first one doesn't, because it's like even if you've seen the original sequel, yes, it has a couple of the same beats, but it like adds this whole layer of Nina being pregnant. And I thought that was so clever. And it really helped fill in the gap of this kind of weird subplot that maybe worked in 51 with like the grandpa not knowing how to relate to the kid or being not pretty to be a grandpa. And I I think that was like a a really fun choice.
1: Oh, yeah. It was super zany. You know how much I love zaniness. But it was also really touching where when George said, I don't know if I'm going to be good as I was for the last one. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really relatable sentiment whether you're having a kid in i don't know your your 50 or late 40s or if you're having number two at 30 or, you know whatever it might be you just want to make sure that you're at the top of your game for, e- for each one and that final scene where he says goodbye to annie because annie moves away with her newborn son and her husband to boston and so as she's driving away he's pushing the stroller with his new baby Megan, I thought that was really sweet.
0: That's right, and she becomes Megan in the Megan horror film franchise.
1: <laughs> what a spoiler! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> One final note I, I want to say about this movie is that the doctor, who Dr. Eisenberg, who's played by Jane Adams, is such a breath of fresh air um, and like such an incredible like sense of calm. It's like I want you as my doctor. It's mm-hmm. it, it just a, a great performance and. Also like a, a really surprising appearance by Eugene Levy as Mr. Habib. That was He the was one in p- the
1: first one. And he
0: was in the first one. He was a wedding singer. Yeah. What I really found distressing about this one, the only thing I didn't like about Father Bride part two was the big mess around selling the house and then buying it back for $100,000 more. It just made me want to, mm-hmm. like, I, I couldn't, it was too stressful. I was like, keep it cozy. Yeah. This is too much. I can't handle this.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I would die if that house, they had sold it. I always lo- look around LA. I need to find the actual location. Pasadena. Of the house. We should go. We really should. Maybe yeah. we can do a little photo there. So anyway, love that one, especially that workout scene with Annie and Nina with Frank. If you you know what I mean, if you, if you've seen it, but if not, you got to check this out. So anyway, we're now skipping off to 2020 It's Father of the Bride, Part 3-ish. So during the height of COVID, Netflix gifted us with a little treat and Lifeline, a.k.a. a a 25-minute Father of the Bride reunion, which streamed live on YouTube and Facebook. The bite-sized reboot kicks off with flashbacks of the first two movies before transitioning to Nina Banks, a.k.a. Diane, on a Zoom call with her son, Maddie, who organized a virtual meetup. Soon, other faces, some familiar and some new, appear on screen, including Annie, her now grown-up son, Georgie, played by Ben Platt, his birthday twin, Megan Banks, played by Florence Pugh, and of course, George Banks himself. As the group chats, we learn a little bit about what the family has been up to, including George's retirement and Maddie's career writing TV comedies, because of course, uh, but the group is not here for idle chit-chat. Maddie has big news to share, which Fran- Franck has the honor of helping pull off. And so this is very recent. <laughs> i we're mean, yeah. really blowing anyone's minds with the trivia here. But The Live Street benefited um, World Central Kitchen, which sends chef-prepared meals to families in need. And Nancy Myers herself is a big supporter. So, Matt, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I watched this when it premiered on Netflix and I honestly don't remember very much <laughs> because of the zoom formatting. I wasn't that engaged in it the way that a, you know, a movie would be, but it was good to see all the familiar faces. It's I think that's the value of this piece, which is you get to revisit these actors and characters you care about and, and check in with them. I I maybe could have done without the Ben Platt of it all, but same, <laughs> no, no but overall, like it's a really cute little reunion episode.
1: Yeah, for, for being a Zoom reunion, it, they, I thought they did a really good job. It felt natural to me. They had the Zoom backgrounds to reflect the lovely sets that we are accustomed to. And I think everyone has a really, like I said, natural dialogue with each other. And Florence, I thought, did a great job as Megan. Yeah. I don't like to imagine characters that are left in the past as babies. I kind mm-hmm. of want to keep them as a baby. That's my own little thing. I don't want to really know what they're up to. I like them to live in my memory.
0: Keep <laughs> the babies out of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we're already in the 2020s, let's move on to the Andy Garcia era. So we had another remake of Father of the Bride in 2022 that was on and still is on HBO Max. And this time, um, the father of the bride is Billy Herrera, um, played by Andy Garcia, and his wife Ingrid, played by Gloria Estefan who are a Miami-based Cuban-American couple with two daughters, recent law school graduate Sophia, and rebellious aspiring fashion designer Cora. When Sophia announces she's engaged, they decide to keep their impending divorce a secret until the wedding. Cultures clash, as Billy wants a traditional Cuban wedding. Sophia and Adan want a smaller ceremony, and Adan's father, Hernan, does everything in his power to make the wedding huge and expensive. While a storm and the news of the parents' divorce almost take the wedding out, the Herreras rally, hosting the wedding at their home, and everyone lives happily ever after. I'm going to keep my discussion of this movie short, to be honest, because I did not enjoy it. I thought everyone was miserable and mean. <laughs> and even though I loved the, you know, the the branching out of the wedding into Miami is a great setting the added layer of the uh, cultural element of the Cuban uh, families and the Mexican families. I thought that was a a great choice, but overall, why is everyone so sour and mean and sad? And it's just like, this is supposed to be, I'm not, not, I feel like the universalism of the other movies about just that pure father daughter relationship. And I think that's really where the cozy heart lies in these movies is these relationships that we can really relate to Mm -hmm. in any family and somehow the the that was missing here, like you, it was this Billy character. He's just too egotistical. He's a kind of unrecognizable, almost a Scrooge-like father of the bride. And I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't vibe with it. What did you think, Jillian?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I didn't like the divorce storyline. It was distracting from the fun and the relationship between father and daughter. I, I'm sure they were trying to throw that into add add more modern texture to, to this reboot, but I didn't enjoy it. I forgot who plays the um, father-in-law, but uh, Hernan.
0: Oh, oh, Hernan, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I love... The one scene that I did find was really funny, I laughed at it a lot, is when they're meeting up for Smee's engagement party and he is on this super yacht and he's just... Laugh! I don't. I,
0: did you do you know what I'm talking about? See, I was watching the yacht scene, and I was just thinking about how awful the green screen was.
1: I just thought Hernan was a, a pretty hilarious character and a wonderful foil. But that's what I enjoyed. I also enjoyed the coziness of the new location of Miami. I, I've really fallen in love with Miami. I went there maybe two years ago, and I love the design and the history it it has. So I personally really enjoyed that, but I would not go back and revisit that. No. Yeah. So not for
0: me. Yeah. And also it's kind of funny how like the 91 remake added the front character with Martin short. And then also BD Wong as his assistant, these kind of arch uh, wedding planner characters. And then they try to one up that with the kind of type a, but somehow also ditzy, chloe Feynman, wedding planner character so th- there's a way that these movies keep iterating on themselves and like they'll take pieces of each other but i felt like this one just kind of went a little too off the dna and it, i didn't really recognize it as part of the father of the bride averse
1: <laughs> no it wasn't celebratory enough and no. chloe Feynman is a great talent and they didn't use her how they they should have she'd have been more light and in on the joke than she was
0: yeah I agree. On another note, too, actually, before we move on, there was also a Father of the Bride TV series, which we just couldn't find any trace of. It's been erased from the culture. But from like 1961 to 62, there were two seasons of, because of the success of the 50s movies, a TV series. And so if anyone can find clips of that, I can only find the intro and outro online. Um, I would love to see that. but. Let us know on Facebook or Instagram which of the Father of the Bride movies are your favorite. And if you really love the 2022 version, I'd love to hear your argument for why why you did. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. All right, well, the ceremony's over, Jillian. Let's take to the dance floor with some soothing sounds. My soothing sound this week is by a band actually i haven't heard of before but they kind of are in that mold of early 2000s indie pop and it's generationals which is a duo uh ted joiner and grant widmer and they are returning with a single from the, their new album heatherhead out june 2nd it's called dirt diamond let's take a listen. I can't really understand what they're saying, but the music itself is so like, upbeat and fun. It reminds me of that early 2000s indie pop sound, and I thought it was super cozy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love it. I agree. I was immediately dancing to the beat, and it brings you back.
0: Julian, what sound is soothing you this week?
1: Uh, Mercedes by Sarah Klang. I love her album Virgo. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. And um, She released a new song on April 12th. And it was a tribute to her daughter, who I maybe is two now. Um, she said of the song, Mercedes is a letter to my daughter. This is a song I wrote when I was expecting her, a promise of eternal love, and then I will do my best. And the music video is just really p- pure and sweet and heartfelt.
0: All right, let's take a listen to Mercedes by Sarah Klein. really cozy and sweet and it's, yeah. it's really appropriate for all of the baby boom we're talking about in this episode
1: right yeah so it's really sweet check it i like sarah a lot
0: yeah it's very it's a very joyful song i love it moving on to our candle review mr and mrs candle where the candles are getting married too <laughs> wow by Toy and sass it's called mr and mrs is the title <laughs> but I, li- I like mr and mrs candle it sounds really cute the scent is champagne on ice it's described as, in terms of the notes of those scents, the sweet scent of champagne on ice with notes of bubbly champagne and sparkling berries, which blend together perfectly to fill the room with a scent of celebration. And it's kind of billed as like a wedding gift, something you get for maybe to celebrate, an engagement. And so I do think it is definitely delivering that sweet scent, but it is like a nice kind of light and airy and crisp. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it half a wick because... I, it's maybe a little too sweet for me in terms of the the berry piece of it, but I do think it does have a little bit of like a tart element to it that I think works um for like a champagne kind of scent. Yeah. So I think know. I think it's half there. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it either the Mrs. or the Mr. half, but maybe it needs to find a new partner.
1: Half a toast.
0: <laughs> half a toast. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing them the best. <laughs> um, and that is a $20 candle, just to uh, FYI. Okay, and the link bad. to that candle is in the show notes.
1: Quick shout out to our friend, Andy Smiley of the Friendly Podcast Guide. Um, she's expanding her business and she is now offering audio production services that includes audio editing, processing audio and equalizing levels, adding production elements and uploading to your podcast hosts. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what any of that is because Matt is a saint and he does all of the production on our episodes, but Andy is super talented and sweet and I, you should give her checkout and we're, we are not getting paid for this. We just think Andy is an awesome person and we love her podcast and she's a friend of the show. So you want to help her out a bit. So that's my plug for Andy of the friendly podcast guide. Check out her podcast audio production services.
0: Thank you all for joining us for our Father of the bride a um, We hope you enjoyed our discussion of one of our favorite film franchises. Julian, do you feel satisfied that we got this episode out there? Your passion a, is out in the world?
1: Yeah, it was very satisfying. Walk Down the Aisle. <laughs> you
0: <will. laughs> and you can walk more with us on social media we're on facebook and instagram at all things cozy podcast you can support our show at patreon.com slash all things cozy and you'll hear us again in your ears in a couple more weeks with a new cozy episode until next time stay, stay cozy, cozy.